0: This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. The critical social justice advocates in the United States have been hard at work over the past 20 years pushing the class struggle and race struggle conflict theory of post-colonial theory, and fording the argument that African Americans, Asians, and Latinos, of which I am, once again, of Cuban descent, but they are forwarding the argument that all of what they refer to as disparate people groups need to be liberated, decolonized. And of course, they refer back to the examples of imperial European powers colonizing Africa, Asia, and South America as their prime examples. But when social justice advocates, who are actually just the new Marxists, supplanting class consciousness of Marx with race consciousness of this new revolution, when social justice advocates use the term decolonize, it isn't the meaning that you would understand for the word and as Dr. James Lindsay would say, the literal definition that you would understand for decolonization refers to the withdrawal of colonial powers from a country it had seized control of and exploited. Now, decolonization can also refer to the undoing of broader effects of colonialism, such as the systems of government, law, culture, religion, and language and recovering prior systems. This is not what is meant in the social justice application of the term decolonize, though it is where the roots of the term actually come from. But in the social justice sense, which has adopted postmodern Foucaultian and Derridian concepts of power and knowledge, well, as I said before, it seeks to read everything through a framework of colonialism and uncover how it has shaped all sorts of power dynamics in society particularly in the realms of discourse, the ways of speaking about things. So it is common to hear that everything from university curricula to hairstyles needs to be decolonized. And because this approach to decolonization is postmodern, science and reason and ways of obtaining knowledge, such as, let's say, within Christianity, exegesis are considered the property of white Western men. It is therefore imperialistic, or colonizing, to expect people from other cultures to use them. Of course, this discussion of colonizing is always used in reference to European or white nations' efforts of colonization and never discusses, let's say, the invasion and capture of Persia or Turkestan of the Mongols 800 years ago. Literally 800 years ago. Wiping out a good portion of the population in those areas. No, they will never have that kind of full perspective of the whole story of history. Or that many Asian cultures in their pursuit of colonization were absolutely brutal in their conquests. And one reason is that the progressive Great Reset woke aren't concerned about context or other historical examples of colonization or the fact that some colonization was quite positive for the indigenous people groups of all continents. Not that there weren't struggles, not that everything wasn't perfect, but that there were some things that were positive sometimes for the people that were part of the colonized group. No, instead, the woke are just focused on the white European type, because what came to places like North America was science. Knowledge, the scientific method, philosophy, ways of knowing outside of metaphysical and deficient religious beliefs of the lands being colonized. Ways of knowing. A need to value other ways of knowing is therefore central to the decolonial methodology that the woke are implying. And if you don't think they'll remake mathematics into subjectivist nonsense— and more feelings-based pitter-patter, well, they are decolonizing math education. And the main priority in many universities today is taking out the objective methodologies of mathematics and installing radical subjectivism into mathematics. Because this concept of decolonizing and removing the objective understanding of nearly anything has helped our civilization become a facts-based society. Well, that thing is under attack by the concept of decolonization. Even decolonizing music. Especially, by the way, classical music. Eliminating the greatest music that mankind has ever created. And now you want to call that music oppressive, racist. And yes, this same postmodern neo-Marxist approach is being used in Southern Baptist and Evangelical seminaries. And is being touted, by the way, by men like Danny Aiken of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And now, Mr. Aiken, of course, has many guests come into the seminary, or that have appeared on videos, who are speaking of decolonizing the hermeneutic methodology. Our ways of knowing what the Bible is actually saying. Which, of course, leads them down the path of standpoint epistemology. Which is why... I asked my good friend and godly friend, Tom Buck, to focus in on standpoint hermeneutics at my Sovereign Nations conference in Tampa in 2020. He did a great job. He only had about three weeks to prepare for this. But this was a great example of how this is happening within what was previously evangelical Christianity. And I say previously, as the evangel is the good news. That's the root of the word evangelical. But they no longer bring any good news. They bring the gospel of vengeance, of hatred, the gospel of discrimination. Well, even the progressive cultural revolution propaganda media rag known as the Baptist Global News gets in the act, explaining how Christians should decolonize their Thanksgiving dinner celebrations just this past year. In other words ripping the meaning intended by the celebration of Thanksgiving by introducing critical theory and postmodern concepts into the good historical understanding of Thanksgiving to turn it into woke poop. The article is in the show notes, by the way. Enjoy! So now you know what you get from the Baptist General News, or Baptist Global News, excuse me. But if you want a great example of the attempt of deconstructing Christianity— Please read Caitlin Curtis's article at Sojourners, which is titled, Decolonize Your Faith This Lent, A Reading List. And Ms. Curtis makes the following statements. Quote, Last year for Lent, I wrote about something I called Old Habits Die Hard, a challenge for you and me to examine our complicity in systems of oppression in America today and to ask how those old habits can die in our lives. In essence, it was a Lenten project in decolonizing. I did not grow up with Lent. In the Southern Baptist tradition, we knew Christmas and Easter, but little in between. As an adult, Lent has become one of my favorite church seasons because it is a time that we remember that we are formed from dust. We remember that Jesus was a wilderness person. And we remember that in wildernesses, we find ourselves and we find God. The wilderness story of Jesus is often told from one perspective. It was really hard, and he was tempted by Satan, but he survived it. Let me just stop there. This is so kindergartenish, but this is in a major publication, and it passes itself off as scholarship let me get back to her words. Quote, let's remember that the wilderness is difficult, but it's also revelatory, full of epiphany and vision and curiosity. Again, I got to break in here. This is like the kind of things that you read from the public education sector, where they're trying to bring in homonormativity and as well they're bringing in ideas of your children to start masturbating. And it's it's all coached in the same kind of language and, and context and voice. Anyway, let me get back to her article. If we are born from the dirt and we return to the dirt, wilderness must be sacred, and we must remember to see it that way. So this land... Continuing the work of making sure old habits die hard. We are continuing the work of decolonizing in our communities, our families, even our church spaces. What might it look like for you to decolonize this land? Now, side note here. Is this pandering, saccharine, sweet, and social justice piece one of the worst things that you have heard in a long while? Okay, back to the Sojourner's article. Oh, by the way. Sojourners was funded by George Soros. That is proven. That's not in doubt. Okay, back to the article. Maybe you look outside the church. Maybe you decide to read the Bible differently. Side note, again, maybe you need to learn how to read properly and understand authorial intent, you know, exegetically. Anyway, maybe you ask hard questions about what you've been taught to believe. And Maybe it will lead you to deconstructing some of your faith. Maybe decolonizing will lead each of us to recognize that we are complicit in colonization on a daily basis, and we have the opportunity to cut it out of our lives for the sake of a better way. Lent leads us through our dust-to-dustness toward a better way. So to help us on this journey, I'm sharing ten books that can help us decolonize in a number of ways. I am intentionally sharing a list of books both by Christians and non-Christians and from Christians all along the spectrum of theological beliefs because Christianity must be shaped by the world around it for it to truly decolonize. Sorry. The history of colonization within the church, a history of empire, must be broken. And for that to happen... The church must decenter its own whiteness in order to listen to voices that are speaking important truths. Voices from the margins. Yes, voices from the wilderness. And then, the white church must join in the work of decolonizing. Not because it's suddenly become popular, but because it's the right thing to do. So this Lent, I urge you to Create a book club. Gather with a few friends over coffee and talk through ideas of decolonization. Challenge yourself at home and in the workplace to fight toxic stereotypes. Re-educate yourself about the history of the United States and the church's role in the empire. Grieve, and don't be afraid of what the wilderness might show you. Books are always a great place to begin the journey. End quote. And so this social justice-minded grievance gospel disciple lists the books that she would recommend for you to decolonize your faith and decolonize and deconstruct our nation and our history for this Lenten season. And of course, number one on her list is Jamar Tisby. Yes, the same Jamar Tisby that we referenced nearly five years ago as one of the major neo-Marxists calling for a revolution, having an influence over evangelical Christianity, who was writing for the Gospel Coalition, who was hanging out with his friends like Tim Keller and grooving on Marx with Legan Duncan. Yeah, that Jamar Tisby. The Jamar Tisby who now works with Ibram X. Kendi. The man who advocates for discrimination against people who are white. Yeah, that Jamar Tisby. So back to the article where she recommends The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism by Jamar Tisby. And she says this, decolonize the way you think about church history by examining the church's complicity in racism through this powerful book. We are all having conversations about the origins of the United States and about how the church came to be mixed up with the empire. Jamar Tisby walks us through American history and shows us how urgent it is that we are honest about who we are and who we should be in the future as we fight for a better church that roots out white supremacy and racism within its own institutions. So then the author refers to Tisby's book and then explains how you need to disrupt and dismantle your Christian faith. So in this sense the author of the Sojourner's article is urging you to change the way you think about church history by adopting a Marxist standpoint, developing a critical consciousness of church history, a critical theory of church history, critical church history theory. But she doesn't stop there. She goes on to recommend number two, Becoming Costa Total by Carolina Hinajosa Cisneros decolonize through poetry the ways in which you examine ideas of family kinship and the sacredness of the land. So the author now advocates for using poetic narratives to not have a balanced understanding of land, property rights, and private ownership. But instead, you need to prepare your heart for communism and state control. Well, then she goes to number three. And number three is this, I'm still here. Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. Decolonize the way you understand race, belonging, and blackness in our embedded systems of white supremacy. And here the author heads towards the now familiar shores of critical race theory, which is, of course, race Marxism. And of course, when she refers to white supremacy, she is referring to capitalism. She then says this. I recommend unsettling the world, biblical experiments in decolonization. So her whole intent now is to then start to transition towards an understanding of how you need to make sure that you have a biblical decolonization. But it has to start with the decolonization of the Bible. And she says this, quote, decolonize the way you read the Bible. I have been looking for a book like this for a long time. From the first essay, I knew that the fire in this book would be for everyone who wishes to decolonize what they've learned of the Bible in the white church. For those of us deconstructing our faith, it comes with the realization that the Bible has been used to oppress and condemn for centuries. And a side note here, if you are deconstructing your faith, you will not have the faith that you started with when you end. When you deconstruct the very objective basis of your faith, the Bible, you are now making your new faith up according to your subjective experiences. But I digress. In this book, we are liberated from that message by hearing stories of decolonization as they come along the next text in life-giving ways. Yes, in other words, eisegesis reading the Bible in a purely postmodern isochetical way, deconstructing Christianity by using the concept of decolonization, and so the concept of beginning a revolution and liberation for those that are trapped and colonized in a system that actually believes in objective facts, the scientific method, falsification, or even hermeneutics, that's what she's trying to quote liberate you from. Meanwhile, she takes some guidance and leadership from James Cone, of course, of Black Liberation Theology. And that, of course, emerged from a fusion of Liberation Theology, Black Liberationism, and perhaps the older Baptist social gospel of Pastor Walter Rauschenbusch and Pastor Samuel Zane Batten. Now, to break this insane spell of radical subjectivism, you can turn another direction. And you can insist on knowing the truth and knowing the authorial intent Of the scriptures themselves. Because to claim that no interpreter can be objective in his or her interpretation is both self defeating and false. And for anyone to claim that no interpreter can be objective assumes that the one making the claim has been objective in his or her interpretation of the question of objectivity. And with this being the case, we should listen to the Apostle Paul who states, Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. But it isn't enough today, is it, to want to just live a quiet life and be left alone? Because those that are perpetrating these destructive ideologies have as their intention to ensure that you must intellectually and consciously bow to their mandates, their mandates with their ideological frameworks. And this is where the iron law, once again, can be clearly seen. We referred to it many times before. So has James Lindsay. It is the iron law of woke projection. In other words, Whatever the woke accuse you of, or their opponent of, is 100% of the time what they are doing. And that is because the woke, the radically subjective critical social justice warriors, are the ones who are colonizing Western civilization with their own scientific Gnosticism, better stated, with their alchemy. They are colonizing education, even science and research. They are colonizing news media. They are colonizing social media. They are colonizing the arts and entertainment. They are colonizing professional sports and college sports. They are colonizing law and legal studies. They are colonizing politics. They have colonized corporations. They have colonized finance and banking. And they have colonized faith. They have gradualistically, incrementally colonized our civilization. And now, just as invading barbarians do, they are insisting that you use their language. That you honor their new bizarre customs. That you stop your generational customs. That you change your educational models. That you change your economic models. That you worship their gods. Or that you synchronistically absorb your religions into their new neo-Marxist religion. They are colonizing Western civilization. So the only decolonizing that we need to be involved with right now is the decolonization that stops the ruthless barbarians who are colonizing the nation right now. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been public occurrences both foreign and domestic.